This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and you're never gonna stop, then please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh please, you please don't let this flop. Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop. A podcast about TikTok brought to you by Rolling Stone. Where we cancel dogs and celebrate hot people. That's true. We do both <laughs> of those things on here. So we typically we typically like to keep things kind of light on here because we love TikTok and we want to celebrate all that it has to offer, such as himbos and thirst traps and Anna Marie Tendler duvet hacks. But we also need to acknowledge TikTok's failures in various regards and... Um, this is an important moment, I think, to yeah. to do that. Yeah, and obviously, if anyone's been following the news, um, a couple weeks ago, there was a massive, massive tragedy at Astroworld Fest in Texas, which is a festival that Travis Scott began in his hometown of Houston. And um, it was just a, a, a lot of sort of stories we've seen before with concert safety. We've seen this happen at Woodstock 99. We've seen this happen, um, you know, at festivals in the 60s, like, where there was a huge problem with the lack of security and a lack of train security, which led to um, a lot of people being crushed to death, a lot of people being hospitalized, people going into cardiac arrest because the crowd got a little too wild. Um, the crowd was pushing up against each other. There was also um, an overcrowding situation. A lot of people had flooded the festival earlier in the day and jumped the gate. So there was hundreds, if not thousands, of extra bodies that should not have been at the festival. Um, And one of the biggest and most controversial parts about this, beyond, of course, the many tragic losses of lives that we've seen, is that Travis Scott continued to perform the concert as many fans screened stop. There was a, a lot of people trying to get the concert to end because of the safety issues, and Travis Scott continued to perform. Um... So it's a, a, just a really shitty and, and tragic event all around. I was actually online, and this is where TikTok comes in. Um, yeah. I was online the morning that the story broke, um, you know, covering it. And I was on social media trying to find, you know, people who were there, witness accounts, you know, footage from the concert itself, people to reach out to. And what I ended up seeing a ton of was... Conspiracy theories, uh, specifically satanic conspiracy theories. Um, A lot of a lot of content like this. Travis Scott's Astro World stage represented an upside down cross with portal to hell. People people were claiming that they saw souls floating to the top of the stage, that the stage was an upside down cross, that it looked like his stage was the mouth of hell. This was this was stuff that was getting millions and millions and millions of views. Did you did you see a lot of this uh, yeah, the morning after the event? The thing is that that's something, um, and of course, it's really, really thrived with 
this event, but I mean, that's something that's followed Travis Scott a little bit in his career. So there is a certain type of way that Travis interacts with live audiences. He is one that sort of incites uh, a lot of chaos at his shows. Um, You know, there was a a story that had resurfaced about how he had encouraged a fan to jump from from a balcony and the fan, I, I believe, ended up uh, being pushed off the balcony by mm-hmm. sort of other more excitable fans. And, um, you know, he's someone who kind of has that sort of like, uh, like, you know, Joker type of energy, right? Where like, he's like requesting there to be more chaos, requesting there to be like a more intense energy to it. So there were some posts that had gone viral in the wake of this and in the wake of the TikTok videos that have gone viral where on Reddit, someone had said like years ago that they felt like a demonic energy at Travis Scott shows. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of of both people kind of doing their own quote unquote firsthand accounts of feeling that there was a demonic energy there. And also a lot of people kind of piecing together demonic imagery in like Travis's music and career and like things like that. So everything about this entire show was demonic down to the shirt he was wearing, down to the way he was chanting as people were dying. You cannot tell me that the things that happened during this show was not some sort of demonic ritual. So yeah, it's, uh, a, you know, TikTok is a place where conspiracy theories can really thrive. I think people tend to flock to the comments of the videos too and make it more intense and kind of um, duet it and agree with it and kind of amplify a lot of these thoughts. So it's definitely been a pretty widespread thing that also continues to take away from the fact that there are real people who lost their lives. There are real people who are still in the hospital and still struggling. There are people who are going to have injuries potentially for the rest of their lives and severe trauma from what happened. And, you know, it's a satanic panic makes it easier to like not hold the actual people who are responsible responsible for this, you know, as as actually culpable for it. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, creating this whole other alternative narrative that, you know, there was demonic energy, quote unquote, that was controlling the concert um, really doesn't. Yeah, it, it shifts blame and it creates an alternative narrative that lets the concert organizers and Travis Scott himself, who reportedly went to Dave and Buster's after the event, yeah. um, despite seeing somebody, you know, there's footage showing him seeing somebody pass out in the crowd. I mean, it really lets absolves them of a lot of responsibility. And I think you we really can't stress enough just how omnipresent um, these conspiracy theories were to the point that, you know, when I was scrolling through my feed in the morning and looking up, you know, Astro World videos, it kind of dwarfed the actual footage from the event, like like witness yeah. accounts. Um, and actually, when you searched Astro World, the second thing that came up in TikTok's um auto results was Astroworld demonic or, you know, the third or fourth was Astroworld, Travis Scott, Illuminati. And that's a pretty stunning indictment of TikTok and how little it did to curb the spread of these conspiracy theories, which were getting millions and millions and millions of views. And actually, I didn't see any of those videos come down until days later when we actually started reporting on this and reaching out to the platform itself. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, thinking about just the internet in times of tragedy or in times like this, like it's been sort of disheartening and kind of 
alarming to watch a lot of the TikTok response to it, just because I think there is a lot of focus, not only on the conspiracy theories, which were so widespread to the point where I, you know, there were like so many people in my life who didn't even know Travis Scott and even like weren't that familiar with his music prior to what happened that they like were seeing these videos pop up on their for you page. Like the algorithm was like serving them these very, very popular conspiracy theories that were placing the blame on Satan. Um, But also like, you know, there's been just sort of a mixture of like comparing and contrasting artists happening. Like there's just been like a lot of not like real sort of, I don't know, nothing that's been kind of like helpful for the people who probably need it most right now. Um, Nothing helpful for the people who have been directly affected by this tragedy, but also, I mean, nothing helpful to people in general, like to the public good. I mean, you, we can talk about the dangers of misinformation all we want. And, yeah. you know, there have, but there have been studies that prove that, um, you know, TikTok's For You page um, can have a radicalizing effect, like a very real radicalizing yeah. effect on people who already harbor, you know, particular, particularly conspiratorial views. Um, and, you know, even further radicalize them. But I mean, TikTok also has a, even though TikTok is more mainstream now and it's growing hugely as a platform, it also skews younger. I think like a third of its users or something are under 16. And these are the people who are getting hit with, you know, essentially satanic panic garbage, like just completely baseless bullshit. Um, These are the people who are, you know, seeing it first, like people under 16. And it's really telling that they took it took them such a long time to actually react to this while it was unfolding in real time and curb the spread of these theories. I I think it did a lot of damage, honestly. Yeah. And you know, it's it's much easier to blame things on an invisible enemy. It's much easier for I think especially for um people, you know, Travis Scott's type of artist that people worship. Like if you are a Travis Scott stan, like he's big enough that he can hold host his own festival like he's someone who has like a a wide range of like devotees to his music to his brand he's a heavily branded artist like he's someone who has all these incredible big partnerships that you know are falling through right now and are you know not probably going to persist but he's he's a person who has become like a very lucrative brand in and of itself along with having like really popular music um so I think for we're seeing a lot of younger fans especially who you know may not be able to totally wrap their heads around the fact that an artist that they worship and love and listen to constantly and like you know went from listening to daily to like feeling a little uneasy listening to now um you know it's just a a person with faults and a person who like can fail miserably in this way as a per- is someone putting together a big festival like this and putting together, um, you know, this type of show. Like, I think they're seeing that greed like this is inherently demonic. Like, greed like this is like, you know, it's just like a not, it's not healthy and it's not good. It's not helpful. And it's, you know, not showing any sort of compassion or empathy towards the people who, again, died at this concert and are left with probably a... a a lot of trauma and like both physical and emotional trauma. So like, obviously the story is going to be developing for mm. months, if not at minimum a year, like there's going to be so many more updates on it. And I'm sure um, these conspiracy theories won't go away. So I'm very positive. We're going to be returning to this story as it develops. 
Um, so we're gonna we're gonna go back into our regularly scheduled <laughs> mix of of nonsense. Um, I know there's something that EJ wanted to to try out. Yeah, I mean, can we, Brittany? Can we include a skit in this podcast? Actually, we we can't include a skit because it comes off as really dumb and inorganic, and it'll turn what few listeners we have off. Shh. She doesn't know I know. According to Section B97 of Paragraph 2 of Podcast Rules, we can include a skit in the podcast, but only if it comes off like we know that it's really stupid and we're being super self-aware about it. Oh, who taught you that? Erica did. She reads the fine print so I don't have to. That's why you should follow her. Oh, cool. I will. <laughs> that was really stupid. <laughs> but I think it's, it makes me laugh. I don't know. <laughs> so basically, uh, the Erica we're talking about is money lawyer Erica or Erica Kohlberg. She has four million followers. And lately she's been blowing up and going viral for posting TikToks about these very obscure legal loopholes that people can use to either save money or in some cases just be obnoxious to service workers. Um, but they're sort of they're sort of packaged as, like, um, consumerist tax. Um, here's an example. Hi, my AirPods got stolen, so I'm here to get new ones for free. Apple Care doesn't cover stolen AirPods. Sorry. Shh, they don't know this hack. Watch this. Actually, I read the terms of my credit card benefit. Since I purchased the AirPods with my credit card, it includes theft protection. So they gave me money to buy brand new AirPods. Oh, that's neat. Who taught you that? Erica did. She's a lawyer and reads the fine print, so I don't have to. That's why I follow her. So I looked at her LinkedIn just to get some more background on her, and... And apparently she does, she is a lawyer. She Mm -hmm. has a law degree from Georgetown. And she did previously work in corporate law. But but since then, like a lot of people who have transitioned to TikTok, um, she's a YouTuber primarily and and a general influencer. And her brand is very much about personal finance and also growing out your following on YouTube. And she has a lot of clickbait videos with titles like how I quit my job and earn (laughs) $700,000 in one year, like in all caps. Yeah. I see a lot of, um, like, a shocking number of ads that I get on TikTok are like that. For, like, companies that are, like, here's, like, how to, like, learn how to, like, hack your life. Maybe, like, companies are learning. Maybe my my algorithm is learning that I would like to just not work and be rich somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, I get so many like that. I'm, like, I didn't even realize there was, like, companies for that. But also the ads have a very similar energy that kind of have this, like, here's how to hack your life um, and, like, you know, just get everything for free without doing anything but buying into my company or my brand. Yeah, she's got, like, very old-school YouTube influencer energy, I would say. And she's now pivoting to short-form content. She has a huge following. And honestly, when I first saw her content, like, I thought it was cool. Like, I thought, you know, she was doing a public service. But I... I was curious as to whether or not the hacks actually work. And I went into her comments for a few of the videos. And yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of an oversimplification. Like with the AirPods one, she clarifies that you have to do a claim with your credit card company first. So you can't just go up there and get free AirPods from these customer service people. Um, And I also feel like there's an aspect to this. Like I was sort of joking before about harassing service workers, but... Like, it's great to save money and stick it to large corporations, but it's also making these people's lives harder, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And nobody really, like, seems to be acknowledging that. Yeah. I also, like, I don't know. 
I just, I never trust these types of loopholes. They, they, they never work. I feel like they're always kind of by chance, you know, like sometimes there are times when like, sometimes you'll call like a customer service agent for a company because you're calling about something else. And then sometimes you'll get like a free treat. I feel like that's essentially what's happened to her with these things. And maybe she's like <laughs> using her lawyer rules, but like she thinks that they're actually, I, don't know, I think she thinks she's giving too much credit to her law degree and to like her like, you know, business acumen that this is actually reality, but it's, it's not. So you think she just stumbled into this by accident? You think that it was totally like, she just was annoying to a customer service person one time and it worked and yeah. I'm sure she's just like being annoying and being like, well, I deserve something because I like asked for this. And it's like, no, sometimes you wear people down enough. It happens, but that's not a great strategy. No, it's not. And the, and actually the queen of this, like the I, my mom really should start making TikTok, TikToks like this because she is the absolute fucking queen of getting things she wants from customer service people. It, it's like it's like her superpower. Yeah. Like we, she just got back from vacation and she was like, I got 85,000 points because I complained about some like ridiculous thing at the hotel that we were staying at. And I was like, <sighs> honestly, I would not want to deal with you like on the other end of the line, <laughs> but like respect to you. Like she's, I see, I see both sides to this. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And, she, and to be fair to Erica, she's also really using her platform to be like, she had a video about like how to use HR to ask for, um, you know, mental health leave. And I think that's really yeah. admirable of her to like teach people how to exploit corporate loopholes to actually, you know, better their lives. Like that's yeah. sort of the ultimate version of what she's doing now. But the template is so ridiculous that it spawned a lot of these different types of parodies, some of which are super funny. Your boyfriend doesn't know you know this hack. Hi, honey. I noticed you haven't proposed to me yet. Yeah, um, I don't think we're in that stage of our relationship yet. Shh, he doesn't know I know this. Well, actually, I'm pregnant. Which of these hacks would you try? I wouldn't try any of them. I'm too nervous. <laughs> I'm too neurotic. I'm de- I, would, I, would, I would be way too terrified to try any yeah. of these. Would you? Have you? Um, successfully? I don't know. I mean, there have been, you know, I my my typical thing is that I like to be as nice as possible to a customer service person. And sometimes that just helps. You know, if I'm asking for something else and I'm like, you know, just trying, there are so many times I've gotten upgrade on flights because like something has happened and I've just been, been kind to the person. All they want to see is genuine kindness and it helps. So sometimes that's just the only nice thing to do. Do you think kind, kindness is the ultimate Kindness hack? is the most effective hack in corporate, I don't know, liaison. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. 
So there, there's something there's something that you really want to talk about today. That there is something that is um, more important to me and my essential identity. Um, and that is the fact that Taylor has released Red, Taylor's version. So, um, you know, quick background for those of you who don't spend most of your hours of the day listening to or talking about Taylor Swift. Um, she is in the middle of re-recording her first six albums. And so basically under her first recording contract, which she signed as a teenager, and again, a lot of the terms of it are very unfortunately common in the music industry, she didn't own her master recordings. And so when she when she left the label, she's on a new label now. Um, she went from Big Machine to, which is a country label, um, a bit of a smaller label to Republic. Um, a lot, her master recordings were basically thrown into anyone's hands and they got into the hands of uh, like her original label boss now has them. He sold them off. Like it's just, it's a, it's a whole mess. Um, so now she's been basically re-recording all of them because she had to wait a year after and start this process so that she can own the recordings and make the original recordings less lucrative and less of less valuable um, for the people who now own it. It's really petty and beautiful and such a power move. It's petty. It's, you know, it's something that a lot of artists have wanted to do. A lot of art prints wanted to do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to re-record it, but it's a lot of work because the thing is to make the original recordings less valuable, you have to be pretty identical as identical as humanly possible to the original recordings. Like you have to re-record the songs as close as possible to how they sounded the original time. Wow. Because that's what people want to listen to. That's what Mm -hmm. the original songs are. That's what, um, you know, that's how you kind of are able to make sure that you are managing the sync deals and that you're, you know, you can use it however you'd like. Um, So she's been doing this really massive project and a treat about it is that not only are you getting re-recordings of the new songs and especially for the earlier albums, what's nice is like her voice is a lot better, a lot stronger. So you're kind of getting the songs just like better sung, but you're also getting like all of these from the vault tracks. Um, You're getting like um, songs that she wrote during those eras that she's now recording for the first time officially and putting on the album. So the new red is like 30 songs long. Um, and Red in particular is a bit of a fan favorite. I think a lot of people consider it to be her best album until she released Folklore last year, which, you know, I feel like th- those are kind of the top two for a lot of people, a lot of hardcore Taylor fans. But it's an album that's full of really devastating ballads and it also is the first album that saw her pivoting from country to pop. So it's mm-hmm. a, a big deal in terms of her own trajectory as a as a pop star. Like, we'd get 1989 immediately after Red. Of course, Red has We Are Never Getting Back Together. In 22, I Knew You Were Trouble. Those were big sort of Max Martin pop singles that did really well for her. Um, it's also a bit of, bit of Taylor lore to it because it's, you know, she hasn't, she hasn't confirmed. She's very, like, Carly Simon in that sense where she, like, doesn't directly say, like, this song's about him. But we know what we've seen. And we know that the lyrics match up with a lot of what we've seen in terms of publicity photos of her and Jake Gyllenhaal around the time that she was 20, 21, roaming around Brooklyn, going upstate, her hanging out with Maggie Gyllenhaal, you know. So there's, the songs are basically just really ripping Jake Gyllenhaal to shreds. He was an older boyfriend. He was 30 at the time. She was 20. 
she's she brings up the ages a lot, the age difference a lot on the album. Um, so if and you're th- like, this is a pattern that Jake has continued to this day. Yes, right. So yes, there's a she really rips it to shreds on a couple of the from the vault songs. So one of them in particular is the 10 minute version of All Too Well. <laughs> And for a lot of Taylor Taylor fans, and also I think even like casual fans of Taylor's music, All Too Well is a song that was never released as as a single, but is considered to be her best song. It is absolutely one of her best songs. And I I feel that way. Um, Rob Sheffield ranked all of her songs. He also put it number one. Like it's a very, you know, basic choice of like, this is the best song that Taylor has ever written. Um, and it's already a pretty devastating song, but she has teased for many years that the original version of it was written pretty soon after um, the breakup had happened. And she went to the studio with her band and she just kind of like, they just kind of riffed and they did like a 10 minute version of the song that only existed in a demo live take. And so she finally released the 10 minute version on Red Taylor's version. It, the full name of this version is All Too Well, 10 minute version from the vault, Taylor's version. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's just how it is. Um, And so fans have been really waiting for that. And also there's, on that song, she is like even more intense about what happened. She talks about him not coming to her 21st birthday and her dad dragging him for it. She talks about the, he had a keychain that said, fuck the patriarchy on it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that's brutal. (laughs) There's a line where she's like, I get old. She's like, I'm not too good at jokes, but the punchline goes, I get older and all your girls stay the same age. Um, So, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is currently dating a 25 year old, just so we are, that he's been with since she was 22, you know, stuff like that. We just, we have, we have the basic facts. We know enough. We've, we've seen and we know enough to put together um, who and what it's about. So, of course, in the weeks leading up to this, people have been looking forward to this for so long, and she's been doing huge rollouts for all of the re-recordings as well. She's not just, like, dropping them on social media, or not on social media, on, like, streaming services and, like, being like, hey, enjoy. She's doing full rollouts. So people have been really, really excited about it. Taylor joined TikTok around the time of the rollouts, too, so she's been having fun on TikTok with it. Mostly so cat videos, as she said. Yes. And so if, if you're like me, uh, mentally ill... Taylor Swift stand. TikTok has been full, 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 full of like content leading up to it. People kind of like anticipating it. So some of my favorites that were in like the weeks leading up were people like preparing how they were going to listen to the re-recorded tracks. So like there was one girl who is in a car, like a parked car, and she's like swerving the steering wheel and pretending she's going to crash while listening to like the bridge of Come Back, Be Here a song that is allegedly written about Harry Styles um, before the 1989 breakup songs, of course. This is like the early relationship Taylor Swift-Harry Styles songs. And the overlay text on the TikTok reads, practicing how my freshly dumped self is going to hear this bridge for the first time.
There was also a, a boyfriend who made this TikTok of him like making his girlfriend's bed and he was he said that he was putting in the extra work so that she feels no emotional connection to Red Taylor's version. A lot of people being like, I'm just like trying to get dumped before this happens. Um, I remember seeing like a weeks ago, someone had put in their Bumble profile, like I'm looking to have a whirlwind romance and dump you right before Red Taylor's version comes out. Like people are committing, committing to the feelings. Um, So like when albums drop and, you know, you're on TikTok, it's a very fun experience for, especially albums that you're really excited about. This was happening with, like, Summer Walker's album a couple weeks ago. Like, there's a similar sort of, like, listening party energy to it. Um, but this one was has been particularly drawn-out experience. I'm sure I'm going to keep seeing Taylor Swift content on my For You page for weeks to come as a, a mentally ill Swifty. No, I don't think you understand. I'm obsessed. Um <laughs> So TikTok is inherently a visual medium, and that can often cause a problem for us on on the podcast. Um, And this is another example of that, because I just really wish that we could show you guys um, this choreography, this video of Hilary Duff dancing on the Today Show, um, which is going viral right now. Had you not seen it before TikTok? No, of course I'd seen it. Oh, okay. oh boy, had I seen it. I was just making sure. Of course, of course I've seen it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Hillary Duff stand from way back. And the same thing with like the Fergie somersault backflip. Well, I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what that's technically called, but the, the Fergie flips that have recently become also very popular on TikTok. I'm like, I wonder if people are just now seeing this for the first time or if they have lived through um, going through like hundred tweet threads that are like here met the most iconic moments in pop culture. And then like tweet number like 74 is Fergie doing flips on the Today Show or. Hillary Duff dancing poorly on the Today Show. Yeah, I, I think of it in the same genre of content um, as um, Jesse from Little Mix uh, doing a Jamaican accent, which oh, I, pr- I probably send my friends like every moment. six months. And same with same with Hillary Duff dancing. Yeah. But so let's let's watch the video and try to describe it as best as possible. OK, so she's like it's she's like pop and locking kind of. And now she's like waving her hands up in the air and swooping back and forth and like posing. And then there's some more pop and locking and she's wearing this weird like Paddington-esque dress in this Today Show performance. But she did it like a couple times, right? Because she was promoting that one single that was released with her perfume. That dance we've seen, there's like a late night show where she had also done it. Um, You know, Hilary Duff, she's she's a good actress. Um, Is she? I like her personality. Um, Do you? <laughs> Do I'm you? Like, they're delightful. I, I, I. When I saw the photo of Hillary Duff <laughs> giving her, when she was giving her hockey player husband a blowjob and a paparazzi photo. Have you ever oh, seen that? Oh yes, in yes, yes. I remember. I completely forgot so about that. For her. That's like, true. But she wasn't iconic. doing that on purpose. She was just like the, no curtains at all. 
No curtains at all. Anyway, I'm obsessed with, ever since that I've been like, you know what? That's a bad bitch. And I love Hillary Duff. I will I will always love Lizzie McGuire. Um, and I think that she is a, a wonderful personality, pu- like a public figure. Some talent she doesn't have. Singing, not no, one of them. Not one of them. But, but you don't have to be a good singer to have a bop. And that's, again, very true with Hillary Duff because Come Clean and Yesterday bops but dancing also not one of her skills it's a lot of awkward hand movements her face looks deeply uncomfortable she looks like she just is sad that she's doing it she looks depressed that she has to move like that and her backup dancers are at least 15 years older than her and also look depressed that they have to be doing that because they probably are like why are we getting why do we have to show up this early because the today show films hella early to do a dance that is, like, maybe, like, 10% of what they could do <laughs> to keep up with the pop star who could do even less than what she's already doing on stage. Um, yeah, I she's Hillary Duff, though. She's but, giving, yeah. like, 0%, and they're giving, like, 200% to sort of offset that, which is admirable. And I, and I also kind of think, like, in order to be a pop girly, like, you have to be able to do at least one of the following three, which is singing, dancing, or acting. And in my opinion, she can't do any of them. I don't think so. You, oh, you think, how many do you think you have to do to be a, a pop girl? Zero. It's all really Zero? All, some, it's about good production. <laughs> Rolling Stone music journalist here. Yeah, exactly. That's a it shocking no disclosure. to be a pop star. You don't need anything. Um, no, I mean, sometimes if you just have a good song and you perform it, like, I, I do I do think she's, like, at least talented acting. I do, like, I will, I will maintain that. But, like, I, you know, you think, I think the vocal riff and raise your voice is good. You think raise your voice is a good movie, and and moreover that the vocal riff. I mean, not all of her movies are bangers, but <laughs> Cinderella Story. Come on now, that was that, a film. Uh, agree to disagree. But okay. this this challenge is going viral. Um, it's uh, there are a lot of people you know who are actually really good dancers, like um, Alex Wong from So You Think yeah. You Can Dance, who are doing it on TikTok. And I didn't know this, but it's actually an example of a style of pop dancing called soft choreo, which is literally choreography for someone who can't really dance. And this guy explains yeah. it really well. I'm so glad that people are doing the Hillary Duff challenge on TikTok, myself included, but it's time for me to reclaim this narrative. This is called soft choreo. I've been analyzing it for years in real life and for the past year on TikTok. So now you're wondering, what is soft choreo? Let me show you. This is soft choreo. I call this toddlers and tiaras realness. This is a classic example, often referred to as the corkscrew or the can opener. Another soft choreo legend, I call this baby animal learning how to walk for the first time. We know who this is. This is that girl from middle school who didn't want to go to the school dance because it wasn't cool. And then she suddenly wants to dance. You know. And my personal favorite, Soft Choreo's origin story, Miss Sultry Square Dance herself. This was around the time that all the pop stars were releasing like fragrances. And this song was actually written for the fragrance yeah. to promote the fragrance with love by Hilary Duff. We act like they're not all still releasing fake fragrances. They all still are constantly releasing fragrances. And now they've all moved on to makeup brands as well. Is that still a thing? It's all still a thing. Billie Eilish literally just launched a fragrance this week. Ariana Grande is on her, like, third fragrance now, and she just launched a makeup brand. Selena Gomez has a makeup brand. Halsey has a makeup brand. 
Um, you know, everyone's doing all of those things at once. Like they're still very popular because people like Sean Mendes has a, a perfume. What does it smell like? <laughs> Do you know? Ass. I got it. I didn't like it. I don't like the a lot of okay, I have a lot of friends who really love the Ariana Grande cloud perfume. I opened it and it gave me a huge, huge migraine. Something in it I might be allergic to because that was not it was not good. It was too sweet, really gross. But I have friends who like swear by it. It's just a nasty perfume to me. But a lot of people, Rihanna just launched a um, fragrance or she's about to launch a fragrance, but obviously Rihanna is, you know, she's on the business side, but still. Um, that, that's interesting. I always thought it was like an early 2000s era thing. Because no, it's still pretty popular. It's not like, you know, every, every single person. It's really kind of, I think like a lot of the bigger people can get away with it because it still makes you a lot of money. Like Britney Spears is a right, good she's example the queen of, of like, you, if you do it right, you're literally like all of your money can be made off of, if you partner with the right perfumery, like it could be like most of your money is made from that. But Britney Spears' perfumes are really good. Well, if this choreography is any indication with love, the perfume was not. (laughs) 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 Um, I bet it smelled like Jolly Ranchers and uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah, I'm sure that like it also does not smell good. I just want to like see the notes on it because... I I feel like it's it's discontinued. That's what I've just learned. Oh, apparently Adam Levine has a very good perfume. It's a good Lalabo Santal dupe, I learned. Oh, that's nice. I want to try that. Yeah. I was like, I'm not I a would, big perfume would, person, but sure. I learned I only learned it because I was looking for cheaper versions of Lalabo Santal. And apparently Adam Levine's <laughs> perfume is that. So okay, so the main notes of Hillary Duff's perfume, top note is tropical. It's also described as woody, fruity, amber, warm, spicy, sweet, musky, floral. It's a lot of things. Too many things. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Spices and mangosteen. The middle notes are cocoa bolo, mangosteen blossom, and the base notes are amber and musk. Doesn't sound good. Great. The only celebrity perfume I ever bought was Jessica Simpson when she had the dessert body line and I used it on my high school boyfriend and I wanted my, that so badly and my mom said it was I delicious was for it. <laughs> it, it was it was deli- well my mom would have told me the same thing but I bought it anyway and <laughs> and also my mom would have said are you going to use that for sex and I did so she she would have been right but I my face blew up seconds after I used it and that's how yeah. I re- figured out I had a peanut allergy is from Jessica Simpson dessert. <laughs> It was delicious, though. I wish I wish that was still I wish that people still sold that. It was it was great. I've chosen this Timbo of the week because this video is so delightful. And it's a good example of ladies. If he wanted to, he would. So this week we have a himbo roommate who stepped up to the challenge and committed for his friend. User Olivia Leonard did a dorm room version of this California girls dance set to Katy Perry's hit, hit song, one of her best songs um, that's been going around. And it's kind of just like a lot of couples do it where like the girl sort of like pulls in her boyfriend and like the point is getting your like, I guess, straight boyfriend to do a kind of femme dance with or for you. It's Mm -hmm. whatever. It's very big on TikTok. Yeah. It's like, okay, like if that works for you, go for it. Anyway, Olivia's boyfriend refused to do it. 
So what you see is you see Olivia in the front of the video. Her boyfriend's like laying on the top of a bunk bed in the back playing with his phone, not even paying attention, but he should be paying attention because after she sort of pulls in her dance partner, who is her roommate, he goes off. So her roommate, whose name is Noah, fully commits to the dance. He does it just with just such delight in him with his beautiful mullet. Um, you know, he puts his all into every hip shake for Miss Olivia. And as the comments point out, sometimes the obvious choice is the right one. So I think, you know, Olivia should reconsider where she's putting her energy. So is this like a couch talk? Is this a couch talk situation where people are like team Noah and not team bunk bed boyfriend? Oh yeah. Everyone's Mm -hmm. like, like how, how is he not your boyfriend? Blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. It's really, they're, they're very pro. It's a pro Noah moment for this video. I really like this TikTok trend where people are just pointing out um, the vulnerabilities in people's intimate relationships. I think I think that's a really healthy thing for society (laughs) that this has become normal. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a weird vibe. But here we are. So congratulations to Noah. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to Noah. Um, I haven't seen any responses from either of them yet. But, you know, this isn't like the couch talk where, like, they're heavily trying to prove that everything's all right. But I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Noah. Maybe maybe there's no response yet because Olivia is figuring out where her her loyalties must lie. Yeah, maybe she's getting offline and touching grass instead yeah. of everybody in the comments talking about how she should dump bunk bed guy for Yeah, Olivia, Noah. <laughs> why aren't you making more content? <laughs> stop go stop living your life and make us some some follow-up content <laughs> yeah. thanks so much for listening to don't let this flop this week in tiktok brought to you by rolling stone and cumulus podcast network written and hosted by me ej dixon and britney spanos executive produced by jason fine bridget Chelsea, and elizabeth barbara paul edited by dan stein and original music composed by daniel mertzleft Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.